Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast. We're back again. Um, I'm hosting this time. I have a bit of a story on why Harry isn't hosting today. Uh, I have a rant, boys. Fergal and George join us today. How are you, Fergal? Good. Uh, it, it just caught me off guard. I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward no, to hearing what, yeah. what the rant is. The, the rant is about weather forecasts, right? Weather forecasts. We're, we're in 2021. Uh, the, the technology in, in all uh, walks of life is, uh, is progressing really fast, right? And... But weather forecasts aren't. I'm convinced that there is a problem with weather forecasts because here's 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 what happened. I um, obviously for those who don't know, I coach soccer for uh, for children, um, for really young children. Like we coach children age two and up uh, until eight years old. So some of those children will have barely just learned how to walk. So you can't really coach them in the rain. Although it might not be an issue like weather wise, but when the go- when the ball gets a little wet that you don't want them slipping and falling over it's obviously dangerous so we cancel sessions where there is rain um and then this morning on, uh, from basically a week ago until this morning at 7 a.m the forecast was like there is gonna be straight showers from from about 9 a.m all the way to 5 p.m or even after that i don't remember at this point and then, an hour later, it completely changed. There are no rain. There's no rain until 1 p.m. Okay, cool. So we have the 9 a.m. session. I don't know. We have a 9 a.m. session until, like, what an hour before, and then I have to leave really quick. And then there was a marathon. I'm in Philly. There was a marathon right at the main street, so I, I was blocked of getting out of Philly, and there was that was a mess on its own. And then I I uh, get there, everything goes fine. Like we have we have the sessions, everything good. Uh, I have a gap, we uh, go on a gap, and then the forecast changes again. To there is no rain today. It's just gonna be cloudy. Like for the hourly forecast is just cloudy, right? Fifteen percent chances of rain, which is pretty vague as well. So I go to the next site. That's pretty exact. Uh. <sighs> Well, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Um, I go to the next site, and then the session starts at 3. At 2.50, it starts showering. And I'm like... I'm glad, I'm glad <sighs> that story was loosely related to football. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm glad it was loosely Yeah, I, I'm also just thinking, like, like, uh, like try try being a coach in ireland like you know what i mean <laughs> well no i'm not complaining about the rain i'm not complaining this to be clear this is not a complaint about rain although i don't like the rain i this is a complaint about weather forecasts get it right tell me if there is rain or not because you clearly can predict whether there is rain or not stop being ambiguous stop being like oh there's a 15 percent chance of rain come on man Come on, tell me if there's rain or, rot, rain or not, so you I can got, sort you myself just got out. Lucky. There, was, uh, uh, there was no, no! X, X, X rain on, on, on the Richter scale. And, and... Well, I know, but but the forecast changed so much in those couple of hours, and then at the end there was rain. I think they are the trying. Just, I don't decided think to change their action, Ali. 
yeah, I don't think they're spicing you and telling you the wrong, the wrong sort of prediction. For I can't imagine a, a training session in Ireland being cancelled because uh, of rain. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, we got cancelled. We got cancelled once uh, at Beedale because um, it hailed, but it wasn't just hail; it was like pieces of it ice. It needed to be heavy. It needed yeah. to be heavy. Yeah. 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 Heavy, heavy rain would we, cancel it, but not like just rain. I guess it, it doesn't. It doesn't rain here as often. I guess, and it's really the the age of the children is important in the context. I guess, um, but where else to start? But Mentioning the fact that Newcastle is the richest club in the world. George, you, you've attended a fair few Newcastle games um, in the Mike Ashley era. And now suddenly uh, your second team in the Premier League, I guess, is the richest in the world. Um, I shouldn't laugh, really. I'm, I'm not a fan of the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I'll let you know my thoughts later. But how do you feel about this? Uh, somewhat yeah, do you want to clarify what, what, yeah, what uh, expertise you have in Newcastle yeah. first? Oh, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. My, well, I, I, yeah, go on. Um, is a year and a half worth of season ticket holding. Um, nice. Multiple games, but but the season ticket was cut short uh, for that half year because of COVID, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, and I also live in Newcastle and have lived in Newcastle for the past four years. In fact, hmm. I can see the stadium from outside of my window right now. Uh, genuinely, I'm wow. Back oh, so I so that. I had to walk back from from work. Um, uh, at around sort of 7 p.m., 7:30, and it was chocker. The Newcastle fans were in full force on that Thursday night. I oh, nice! It was. Maybe it's Friday, uh, and they were going mad. Uh, and who can blame them, really? I mean, M- M- Mike Ashley um, has run the club uh, like a business, like most, to be fair, clubs do, but but it, it, in a very, uh, very frugal way, in a very, very harsh way. Um, and you know, uh, a club like Newcastle uh, deserved to be to, to be invested in, and, and and not just with millions. And I'm not talking about millions of pounds worth of money invested in, like they are, like like the club that they are, which holds sort of rich culture. I think one of the big things in in, in the Ashley Mike Ashley era was they they paved over some cobblestones, which were really significant in terms of sort of nostalgia for people walking up to the ground mm-hmm. so there's loads of sort of different sort of cultural significance and, and, and uh, societal significance to this change where, where Mike Ashley's going uh, and, and someone else is coming in but the problem is um, like Ali said there's 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 some real bad moral sort of sort of issues here it, strangely enough I don't think the backlash has been as great as it has been with City and and Chelsea now obviously I guess Fergal can also give an insight into that in terms of the Chelsea fans perspective but in terms of my perspective it's, it's, it's absolutely no different look Newcastle are a big club but it doesn't matter if you're a big club or you're a small club no club is more deserving than another to win titles equally no club is more mm. deserving than another to be taken over by sort of a, an oil baron or a, a prince of a country and, and sort of finance to, to titles as well so yeah it, it brings about a lot of problems and a lot of prob- like societal problems that we probably, you know, aren't informed on enough to talk about on this podcast. Um, in terms of big corporation oligarchs, um, sort of oil-rich companies and, uh, and countries, in fact, owning owning not just countries, uh, not just com- um, owning sorry, countries, 
Um, not just yeah, not just owning football clubs, but but also a lot of the infrastructure around football clubs. So I mean, in terms of Man City's uh, owners, I mean they've done a great job at sort of gentrifying gentrifying the surrounding area around sort of City's ground, which is fantastic. Yeah. They put a lot of money into, but equally they also own that, uh, and the, and the significance of that is quite um, quite telling. So I mean, but yeah. I guess in terms of football perspective it's a really interesting dynamic because we'll get another challenger to the big to the so-called big six and i think that's just really interesting uh, uh and hmm. to, you know they, they can't spend ridiculous amounts of money i mean they can but well you say that i well, saw a good tweet that because yeah, mike ashley was so frugal and so tight and yeah. ran it well as in business-wise like making a profit um it means that they have 190 million of financial fair play leeway to play with. But, but, uh, but, but Fergal, you want to put it into plus the context profit. of they're more than 150, 190 million pounds off, off Man City and Man, uh, Man United. They're off more than 190 Yeah, million but it's itself. it's it's still still a oh, lot of money. Yeah. To, like, it's... And it's it's more than, than what Man City, I, I'm guessing, would have had to play with um, to go into it. Initially. So, like, yeah, to, so so like, it would have had had to have been if if they if they if Newcastle had been spending more previously, they actually would have had less money to play with. But they have yeah. 190 million. Like if they spent 190 million this summer, would they have been the top spenders in the transfer market? Be close to Arsenal. No, yeah, it'd be they, close. They it'd be been, close yeah. to Arsenal. Like so very like, close. I think they might have just edged it. So yeah, it, I, I think it's pretty big. Um, it's going to be a massive transfer window in the winter, obviously. Um, and with, well, Steve Bruce, his, his position um, may be right now very peculiar in terms of uh, just, yeah, uh, precarious, yeah, that's the word. Thank you. Uh, his position might be very precarious, but that element of it, I think there will be radical and immediate changes to to Newcastle United and who knows where that ends up like I could see Anthony Martial going to Newcastle this winter um given oh Conor Gallagher getting linked there actually well Conor Gallagher uh, yeah I I don't see him going from uh, Crystal Palace just within six months but maybe next summer so yeah, obviously, just a complete change. I think what dilutes the immediate effects a little bit is the international break and the fact that it happened just at the start of it. So we have to wait, I guess, two weeks to um, see how it is or kind of get warmed into the fact that Saudi Arabia, that Saudi Arabia essentially owns Newcastle United. Um, but there's two elements to this, George, and I uh, really wanted to ask you about this. There is the There is the element of the Newcastle residents from one side and given that you live very close to um, St. James's Park and then there is the other side who owns Newcastle United right now. Um, so I wanted to focus on the positive part because the residents of Newcastle must be excited about the prospects of the investment into the city as Amanda Staveley kind of promised and indicated that that it's part of the plan with with Newcastle United um was is that the atmosphere at the moment is that the the what they're looking for to the most or is more is the talk more about the footballing side and how the team is gonna improve um I think it's de there's definitely 
barely any uh, football talk. The only football talk I've really seen. Uh, hmm. I mean, I, I've got my best friend's a Newcastle fan, but uh, I mean, he, the two players that he wants in are uh, Tarkowski and James Ward Prowse. That would be a nice start. Response from a, from a Newcastle fan, you know. Like, that is like the Gareth Barry and Milner. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. To be honest, I, I actually think they'd be great signings. And, and I spoke to him and he, he, I asked him, you know, who do you want as your first big signing? And he said, to be honest, I just want to stay up. Um, Mm. Uh, so he doesn't care. He, he just wants to stay up, and uh, you know. It, uh, so, so the football side of things is is second thought to more. I mean, just a massive relief of just built up uh, anger and tension. That Interesting. Sort of, sort of being around the ground. I mean, it, it, I, I was season ticket holder for for the last year of Rafa, um, and then half of season of Steve Bruce. And honestly, it was it was the worst football that I've. I've had to watch. I mean, it was amazing because I got to watch things like, um, yeah, Newcastle, uh, Newcastle beating Chelsea, which wasn't amazing, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, and, and loads of other events, which which um, made the game a lot more exciting than watching a team like Chelsea. Weirdly enough, but uh, yeah, no football talk. So, I mean, I haven't been able to speak to many locals, um, but but it it does feel like. Um, a, a huge catalyst for change, not just in the football club, but but for the surrounding area as well. Um, and you can just see that by by the the swathes of people. They had to get so many police police vans and police cars out out my outside my house and down the road to, mm. to sort of manage. Not not because they were being. I mean, they they did leave a, a, a bit too much, uh, too many bottles behind. But and and stealth oh, cars. But apart from that, um, they weren't too rowdy. But yeah, it just 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 relief. It's just it, relief. It, That's the general. It's thing. an interesting one because like, like it's uh, they have no choice in the matter. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. There's this you know terrible owner that is going that was kind of just you know sucking their life out of the club. They weren't going in any direction really, um, not even necessarily down, um, and um, and now they've cut footballing wise like. Like you've got everything you want, you've got a, a unlimited money, money. About, about to be pumped in. They're talking about focusing on the infrastructure as well and getting a good youth system and scouting infrastructure in. I saw, um, and like if it's anything like the Man City project, they will be trying to do as much for good PR as possible. So like they won't. Like I, I one of my mates was like, well, they'll probably put up the price of the ticks or something. I'm like oh, I don't know if they would. Isn't that, what's the good PR? It's, it doesn't matter about the money. It's good PR is what they want. So they want, as you said, George around Man- Manchester, they want it to be gentrified, done up. They'll, they'll be having, they'll hmm. be building stuff in and around it, making a great training complex, improving the local area. It's it's very easy to forgive Newcastle fans for not looking at the bigger picture whenever your area is going to benefit massively from it. Um their goal they came out and said was gonna want to be like Paris. So like if that's if 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 it can be as big as that, um and like, you know, your 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 biggest global footballing export is no longer Santiago uh Munez. Munez. <laughs> Munez. Uh, <laughs> then, then you've got to be happy. That's a bit harsh to me. There's that Alan Shearer and all the, and all the other greats as well. But <laughs> You know, it's it's um, 
but yeah, it's 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 massive for them, and it's like it's just it's just a terrible position to be in. And like me as like me and George know, like we're in awkward position. I don't think either yeah. of us are like. I'm not particularly grateful for Abramovich. No. And especially the way he's, he has soured it in, in things he's done and the Super League stuff. And Yeah, I guess we were all put in that position in the Super League times. Yeah. Where but the, but uh, there was, like, uh, at the start of the Super League, I was like, I, I don't know if I like, never mind some poor Liverpool Football Club anymore, but I guess the my mindset now is that you... You just focus on the football because at that point, I don't think you have any control over what the the owners do or whatever higher power there is do. Um, and you have no say in appointing those. Like you have no say in whether Abramovich is, is, is Chelsea's president or whether Saudi Arabia owns Newcastle or whether the Emirates own... Uh, Manchester City or Qatar PSG or anything yeah. like that. So, I would I would say it's a case. I, I guess it's just the mindset of supporting the team on the pitch, and that's it. Like this just supporting one... the footballing, you know, the the football that's going on rather than anything else. The the one thing I'm curious about with, with these state run ones is is like, where is the end point? Because like with Abramovich, there like, is the no man's gonna, the man's gonna die eventually. Yeah. So like if and like so, um and like it, it, it could he so, could keep it in the family or whatever, but you don't you just don't know what where it could go it could go like there there is a feasible end in sight. Yeah. He might he might, might want to sell up before he before he dies or whatever. Yeah. But with the state run thing, it's like it's like what like they could like in theory can go on forever, and then. If they do or are gonna sell it, who are they gonna sell it to? Unless they're like they are happy to make a loss, maybe they will because it's not about the money for them. But like, it feels like it, you're just gonna get someone as evil to come in with that uh, as like, and and yeah, it's just like especially with the Saudi Arabia one more than I think some of the other ones. Although like, Abramovich has been linked to human human rights issues in in Israel, and I think. I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah, he's been linked with them and stuff. Um, and um, and but it this one, it's like with Saudi Arabia, it's like it's just like cut and dry as to how bad it is. Like, um, it's really interesting. You sort of mentioned like, oh, what what's the end goal? Are we gonna get like a Newcastle as like a client state of the Saudi Arabia where? The Geordies all vote for independence to, to join the Saudi Arabia. My only hope right. is that, like, the, the people are always talking about, sorry, George, people are always talking yeah. about, like, the, the influence uh, from Saudi Arabia coming to the West or, or any of these countries. Yeah. But I always think it's like, is there a way of, of it actually going the other way and the influence of, of, of the West going over to Saudi Arabia and, like, like if you want to be more accepted in the West, you, you know, what this is this link with the football club? Is there actually some way that you can flip it on its head and actually promote more human rights stuff to Saudi Arabia? I think that's it's just, that's just wishful, optimistic thinking from my end. It but is like, for I, a reason. It, it, it did it did cross my mind. It was like, is there hmm. some way that like you could actually it, like for the football clubs could put the pressure on? 
to actually change the the ways of the owners. But it's that is wishful thinking for a reason because when it involves actual like countries and that was that was like a a, a Qatari Saudi conflict that was resolved and the the immediate biggest effect of that is being sports getting restored in in Saudi Arabia and and then afterwards Newcastle getting bought by Saudi Arabia, like the literal Saudi Arabian government, um, which which is insane of itself to, to kind yeah. of think about. But at the same time, why why that is indeed wishful thinking is because of the of the wealth of the countries involved. You will not get a wealthier European country country yeah. government than yeah. the uh, those who have like all the yeah. oil. Um, and all the the petrol stores um but how are we talking about like just governments and, and soccer at the same time is insane to me still it should never really but none of it is point. important because yeah. it, that, that's the reality of our situation now look, look I don't, I, people who have criticized chelsea and man city and right rightfully so but i'm not i'm yeah. not here to defend abramovich or but let's not forget Liverpool is owned by by you know a multi billionaire. Uh, the Cronkies own own Arsenal. They could put way more. Anyone that owns a football club, yeah, the top the Glaciers, league. Yeah, like, look, okay, anyone yeah. who owns, yeah, in fact, Wolves. I think the Wolves owner is um is one of the most richest um men in the world. Uh, so, so the idea that that you know. Uh, some of the clubs are clean, or Premier League clubs are clean of this. It's just completely ridiculous. I mean, there, I, there is a difference, of course. There's a gap. There's, and until we get 50, I mean, the 51, 50, 49 split in terms of fan ownership, which doesn't solve all the problems, but, mm. you know, it solves some, we, we're, no, we're never going to progress in terms of e equality in football. Uh, yeah. And then football and politics people try and say oh no separate it unfortunately th there's no chance you can and it doesn't mean that we have to talk about it but it, it's not know, always a bad thing the, having yeah, politics it's just, football it's just the, like the reality of the situation we're in you can't you can't separate it anymore it's not a bad thing to involve politics in football and there are good examples of that like Ivory Coast qualifying for the yeah, World yeah, Cup in 2006 yeah. and DA dropout directly yeah. leading to the end of the civil war there um, and other examples of uh, the influence of footballers on, like Marcus Rashford, for example, um, on on societies as a whole. But it is a bad thing that a country owns a football club. Objectively, I don't think that's that's a controversial thing to say, no, because no, then the balance of the the financial balance in like league wide and along the football pyramid is staggering. It's absolutely staggering. I, I fear for the Premier League. I think the Premier League could turn into a league gun situation in 10 years where no, Newcastle, no, no, Newcastle no, United no. just have the other resources. And I, I get the other side that financial fair play might stop it, but at the end of the day, financial fair play is about spend, not spending money you don't own and Newcastle own all of the money. So no, but this, I don't, I don't no, know Newcastle where the limit to the spending would be. No, but Newcastle but, doesn't. Newcastle, Newcastle doesn't. The owners, yeah, well, the owners do. The owners do. Yeah, but 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 that but that's that. Financial fair play stops owners from pumping in money. That's yeah. the whole point of it. Totally, well, it's immense, but it's it's pretty flimsy and it's and it's defensive. That yeah. yeah. Newcastle in in ten years will be able to spend more than Man City has ever spent, and that's because they they have a best a base in terms of fan support uh, globally and 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 locally. They've also got bet better. Uh, 
well, they don't have better infrastructure, but I can imagine they'll get better infrastructure. Um, uh, and the the north to south line in terms of trains actually fairly good in Britain. And these things matter. It's so weird that we talk about sort of infrastructure and, and travel and uh, and sort of cultural significance and also sort of season ticket holders and how many people live wherever yep. and if there's teams anywhere near. Like Newcastle, there's absolutely no teams near Newcastle, apart from Sunderland and Middlesbrough, who are both pretty dead clubs currently. So, so you've got a monopoly almost in the north. Um, for football fans, so it's, it's just going to be really interesting. I, I, I hope financial fair play sort of uh, becomes a bit more ruthless. Um, yeah, but that's, that's fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Moving on then from uh, from Newcastle, it's a topic that's never going to end, and we m- could probably do a whole podcast about it or more. But it it is the international break this week, and there's um, there is a few landmark moments um for my national teams egypt have recently hired carlos kirosh who was um the uh, assistant manager to Sarax ferguson in a period of time manchester united i don't remember when was it like the 2000 2000 around about when roy Keane left and, and there was a bit of an issue with that. oh yeah yeah <laughs> I yeah i don't i don't think the two of them got on too well yep yeah no no yeah he, he was there had success at united How's he was he He's uh, he's on he's on all right. He's uh, been hired recently, um, and gave that's a move I really liked. Omar Marmouche, uh, who was the Bundesliga Young Player of the Month uh, this past month, uh, that September, he gave him his international debut, and uh, he scored an absolute screamer. It was a one 0 win against Libya, which is not which was a little bit flattering for Libya to be honest, um, and it wasn't an extraordinary performance. It was it was just another game really there was I don't, I don't know like it was it was just a perfectly fine game we had made some mistakes we gave Libya a few opportunities but we ultimately scored the goal that mattered and could have scored a few more like it's just another game but that goal was was great like he um, he had some space he found himself in a pocket of space at the 18 yards box back to goal took a touch to his right and whoa just absolutely smashed the top corner uh, it was a great goal. Um, and we play Libya again, I think, tomorrow, which is Monday as we record. Uh, but, yeah, great start for Omar Marmouche there and uh, a winning start for Carlos Kiros. Uh The other landmark moment is the Nations League final just happened as we record today. And it was decided by a goal that was offside. I'm convinced it was offside. Nobody will tell well, me otherwise. Uh, yeah, this is bizarre, this. Uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I know. All right. Uh, who who wh- where was the refereeing team from? England surprise. Yeah, we was the VAR team from England though? It was. It was. So, do you oh. know what? Do you know what? Uh, so, uh, to give a little bit of a counter, I suppose is it definitely would have been offside last year, like without a doubt. But now, um, with the whole like thicker line, thicker or, line. Yeah, well, I swear well, the lines aren't that thick. No, so, I'll tell you why it was given. You know the official it's reason awesome. it was given. Just to be yeah. clear, is that Eric Garcia took a touch. So Eric Garcia... Yeah, that was afterwards. That was after the pass, right? So the ball yeah. was passed, I think. But was it Benzema that passed the ball through? Benzema had an excellent game, by the way. And like, yeah. what a goal that was. St- oh. Problems with hold-up and all that, but we can get to that a little bit later on. And to uh, Yep. Very mm-hmm. much so. Um, and so he passes it. And Eric Garcia doesn't know that Mbappe is offside. Maybe partly because Eric Garcia is just a poor defender and doesn't have a good positional awareness and where the offside line is. But it is a little bit tight. 
But no, Eric Garcia tries to ta tries to like block the ball from going to Mbappe, and then takes a touch as he slides, and that's deemed a deliberate play. So it took a touch from the defender last, so the play resets, and Mbappe is offside. Is onside, sorry. Because, Mbappe is onside. That was that's the official reason. That is the official reason that the goal was given. Yeah. So it's not about thicker lines. It's it is offside, and everyone knows that. Even the referee team know that. But they said, you know what, Eric Garcia took a touch. Come on. And do you know why that's bollocks? That's bollocks because Mbappe's influenced the game by forcing Eric Garcia to do like make a touch by being offside. Yeah. So yeah. Clearly made a, 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 an influence. Yeah, that's that a great point. From being offside in an offside position. I, and I, I thought Mbappe was very poor. He yeah, was. I, he was extremely I, poor. I thought like he, he should have had a trick. And like, like I'm judging him by his own high standards. Yeah. Like, obviously, tidy finish, and he wasn't absolutely awful. But like, again, he just hasn't been. I'm still yet since the World Cup. I'm yet there to were, be blown away by him. There were odd reports of Mbappe saying he's ready to retire from it, international football, which I thought Neymar was or Mbappe or Neymar. No, I'm almost certain he's Mbappe. Neymar said the 2022 World Cup is going to be his last because he can't take football in anymore. Like, it doesn't have the mental strength to, to deal yeah, with no, football Mbappe, anymore. Mbappe that was the quote. To, to retire from international <laughs> football. Like, that is the most Neymar thing I've ever heard. Yeah. No, genuinely, Mbappe has threatened to retire from international sources. Uh, sources. sources. Yeah. Yep. The sources are the sun, the mirror, and sport bible. So, been it. Know. Just been it. Uh, yeah. But in an interview, he basically said the weight of the World Cup has been really difficult for him in terms of mentally. He put, he put a pretty telling interview out there. Playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Football, yeah. I have not read the full interview yet. I probably want to read that. Um, yeah, talked about the uh, the ordeal with the transfer this uh, this uh, past summer. And he's yeah. very straight up about it. Yeah, he was he was like, I wanted I wanted to leave in. I told them I wanted to leave, but I'm happy to stay. I, I, I wanted to give them a chance to give to get a big transfer budget or, or a big transfer fee so they can buy someone else. Um, but they they didn't want to. So um, it sounds like it sounds like he's going next summer. He'll be going. So, yeah, he will be. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll but yeah, it, on the whole, Spain again really unlucky, and like they're just lacking, like they're lacking in. It, in up front um yeah. but it's like it's just funny that this like gavi is all of a sudden burst yeah. in the scene and I'm, the and pedri I'm like of 2021 barcelona aren't in that bad of a situation are they when you when you think about it really like they've got pedri gavi you know eric garcia seems i'm not i'm not his biggest fan but he seems okay nah and you've got i, um, I he doesn't convince me at all I don't, I don't see I do what people see in him. One billion pounds worth of debt, though, does. <laughs> no, but like, they, like they're going to be. A, they're, honestly, well, I think they're going to be grand. They're going to be. I don't think they'll drop out of the top four. They might not yeah, be challenging, but I think the the squad is good enough. And the like, squad I mean, is good yeah. enough. I think there's a massive problem with morale, and as long as and it's not. This is not something against Ronald Koeman as a manager, which I, I he's not as big his fan either, but. The, the the lack of morale within the Barcelona squad with him as manager, I think, is going to be a massive problem. And it's if they do drop out of the top four this year, it's not going to be because of the lack of quality, which is present. 
that's that's top four La Liga team, uh, even with Griezmann leaving and, and Messi leaving. But at the same time, the, when the morale is there, nobody's on the same page. Like players and manager, players and board, manager and board. Like nobody's seems to get along. And <laughs> you know, I don't know what what's like specifically going on behind the scenes, but it they 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 don't enjoy football at the moment. Um, we'll see though. But I, we'll see. I just generally like like this Gavi guy comes along, seventeen years old, and he's yep not as impressed not as impressed with Pedri. Well, Pedri's what, a year older or so, a couple of years yep. older. Um, but unbelievable for a seventeen-year-old making his his yep. um, first. Yep. Time in the Spanish squad, he made his debut in the last game, didn't he? Yeah, he played um, like 360 minutes of senior football before making his Spain debut. And then the, the Nations League, the Nations League as a whole, has just been brilliant. And I always, I've always been a big fan of the Nations League right from the very beginning because I thought, mm-hmm. and I never really got this the slagging of it because it's these really competitive games at every level. Uh, everybody gets the chance to play a competitive game. It's what it's what people have been sort of talking about with like, oh, I hate these qualifiers. You know, they mean nothing. Oh, what's this nation? It's really complicated. So, well, it's the essence of it is every there's loads of competitive games. So get on board with it. It's it's yeah. good. There's a trophy to be won. Ah, well, well nations like what is this like Europa League? Son, no, no, no. It's 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 a it's a trophy, and whenever it has the history as the European, same as the European Championship, the World Cup, it will mean something more and more. And mm, I yeah. I could see, I think you could see it in the Spain team that this already yeah. meant something for them, and the Belgian team as well. Like for Belgium, this would have been the one to at least we got an, a Nations League. And I mm-hmm. think I I can see like the Nations League is going to be. It is going to become more and more important. The more times it's won, the more rivalries that stem from it, um, and and like personally, I think it's one. I eye it up as one that Ireland. It, it it's like maybe the only chance of silver Ireland could ever have because you have, if if you got into it, it, ha, it ha, you have to have a golden age like like Belgium yeah. have, but it's two teams in the group stage. So what is it? what's that? It's like four four games, sometimes six. Mm-hmm. Then you're into the semi final. So in theory, it, it's like what's that? six six games away from from winning a, a major yeah. piece of silverware. I think it's something that every nation the size of Ireland should be look and um, with the infrastructure and and the developed developed country like Ireland should be looking at going. If we take that seriously, we we could we could squeeze our way through to to, to the finals of it anyway. Uh, and I, I absolutely love it. I think it's one of the best things UEFA have done to give them credit, even though because they usually cock things up, like this up. Yep. Yeah. Including yeah, the new Champions League format. I don't think they've advertised it very well. But apart from that, yeah, I'm I'm guilty of saying you know oh so it's useless. Oh, me too. Fergal's, Fergal's right. No, he, yeah. He, he's he's bang on. Um, uh, and as an England fan, if we got the Nations League final, I'd definitely be changing my tune. You know, there's absolutely no. <laughs> but this is it. If you had a, if you had a one yeah. at that time, like I'm sure it would have been like it would have been a different thing. It would have been first trophy since um, yeah, World Cup '66. Uh, or what, what was that other one you won? The, the oh, the one against Germany. Oh, um, it, it, he didn't score it against England, but it was yeah. in that tor- tournament. And England, I think, won that. Uh, to um, to Toulon. Something like that. Too long, or is that the other one? Anyway. Anyway, yeah, we we know we know what trophy that trophy is. Um, a quick shout to uh, 
the U.S. men's national team, they had a really difficult start. Um, or we, I should say. Well, Egypt is my first national team, so I'll say we with U.S. too. Um, we had a difficult start to the CONCACAF qualifiers, um, but then we were back on winning ways against Jamaica. Really interesting refereeing uh, from a refereeing um, debutante who had a shocker inside 30 seconds. There was a clear goal-scoring opportunity that, like the man cleared him out and knew he cleared him out <laughs> and uh, he just went for a yellow card it was 19 seconds in and then there was another incident where uh, there is no var and there was another chance where uh, we went straight through on goal i think it was paul Ariola, might be wrong but um it cleared him out as well but he like the replay showed that the defender got the ball but the foul was called and there is no VAR and it was outside the area too. So VAR intervention would have not helped anyway. But if you've called the foul, then the red card should be given. Um, so Jamaica could have been playing with nine men inside 30 minutes. But. Another another bizarre refereeing decision. Um, this this sort of um, international tournament uh, sort of uh, break yep. was in the yeah Switzerland-Northern Ireland game where Jamal Lewis oh. was sent off for time wasting in the 35th minute. What? Absolutely insane. He, 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 was, he wasn't. He, he wasn't even taking. It the wasn't piss even too that much, long. Like. like he wasn't. It wasn't like a minute. It wasn't. Even you, you, you know what? I watched this back, and if, if anybody hasn't insane. seen it, it's on. It was on YouTube. The clip itself is on YouTube. Sky Sports yeah. put it out, and um, it, it, I think, I think what's happened is if, if the comment in the I, I didn't watch the whole game, but in the commentator on it says like, oh, Northern Ireland have been warned a couple of times now. No, it's pretty bad. No, I'm 30, 35th minute, and they've been warned a number of times already by time wasting. <laughs> it was nil oh, nil okay. as well. It wasn't like yeah, they won it up. Yeah. The referee, the referee got <laughs> but, pissed off. But the ref must have been like, right, that's the fifth time I'm, I'm after telling them or whatever. Let's say, and he's gone. He's gone. Right, yellow card, and he's gone. Oh, I've yeah. already booked him. Yeah, he, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he. he did ah. I think he's, he's gone. That's 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 the fifth time they've been time wasting. Yellow card to you, and then he's gone. Oh no! Oh god! <laughs> because, because he did. He didn't have the red ready. If you watch it, he goes. Yeah, yeah. He goes yellow, and then he pauses, well, and then yeah, goes. Yeah. Oh, red out of the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> really oh wow! It wasn't even that bad of time wasting because when no, he really first wasn't. picked up the ball. He's the only person on that side of the pitch, so yeah, all yeah. of the players like like slowly walk. Like even the Switzerland players, all the all of the players slowly walk over. Then there's like a lack of movement by the Northern Ireland players. He is taking his time, but it's not it's not worth the book. It's, it's, it's not just, it's not like he's wasted a whole minute. Man. No, it's like, no, it's, it's like it's, damn, it's funny. It's I, funny. And, he's all, and then bizarre. they end up they end up losing two 0 and like yeah. people people go Northern Ireland would have lost to Switzerland anyway. Northern Ireland constantly. Keep get, keep games tight and and are constantly cause problems for sides like that. They only got they, they nearly qualified for the World Cup against Switzerland only for a dodgy penalty being given away not too yeah. long ago. So you know that I would have been a, a it's a massive call to go against them uh, and uh, yeah, but it's such a joke and like the I think the refs just cocked up and, and forgot that he has already booked them yeah, and we yeah. just went to book we just went to book a Northern Ireland player for time wasting. But he should. He should. Yeah, he's just messed up. I'm. What do you think? It's. Uh, what do you say? It's bad refereeing or an innocent mistake? I think it's bad refereeing. Bad, bad, bad. bad, bad um, like he's ruined. He's ruined the game of football over, over, over something very small. And it's he like did. fair enough. Maybe he's time wasting, but 
In my opinion, if you're the ref and you're going to send someone off for that, you have to warn that individual player going. Yeah, you, that's a good you, point. If you time waste again, I'm sending you off. You have yeah, to give yeah. that warning. For something so stupid, you have to go, if you keep time wasting, the next time you do that, I'm going to book you and you're going to be off. Yeah. You, ha- you, can't, you, can't, you can't not do that. And you've got to understand He just made a cock up. You've got to understand the context of the of the the match yeah. and and the game and football itself. Like you yep. can't send someone off in that situation in the thirty fifth minute of an international. I'm wondering what it was. Thirty fifth. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's yeah, that's that's just bizarre. But to the other side of Ireland, Fergal, Ireland have won their first game <laughs> since June twenty nineteen. Come on, the boys. Let's go. Oh my god, CR7. Unbelievable, so he was. No, 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 not not Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm talking about the real Don. Callum Robinson with a brace. Uh, thank you to the Azerbaijani goalkeeper. Um, yeah. He, he played his part. But, look. Ireland. Ireland. We finally got a bit of luck. Finally clicked. It was... It, it was it was a really solid performance, um, and 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 now I'm just gonna everybody's thinking, fuck, fuck, come on, Azerbaijan, come on, let me just explain to you the the the, <laughs> the story this team has been on. We have not won a game since June, a competitive game since June 2019, and that was against Gibraltar. Yep, we had. It's it, it's been so long coming, and um, it's it's just been it's been so like it's been so hard. Like we're a proud sporting nation in general. We punch above our weight in a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're quite quite like a developed nation as well. So we have that on our side. But this, this, the football, it, it, it's just been it's been so bad for for so long. It all it all stands back with like the FAI controversy. The FAI is it went nearly bankrupt, um, yep. and you know was begging money from the from the government to keep it afloat, stuff like that, um, and so the like there's there, there's just been so much that has been passed by, um, a generation of of football in Ireland. There's there's a big age difference between um like the young players that are now coming through in the likes of Connolly and Ida and Parrot and then the the next age age group in the squad and it's 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 all down to like the fact that there wasn't much um that there's an age group that didn't get good coaching or didn't have good grassroots level coaching mm-hmm. and so um there's like a good five years or so in in, in age gap. We go through the squad. There's a lot of 29, 28s, and then there's very few 25s. Josh Cullen's the only one that's came through, and he was he came through at, at West Ham. He's, he's English, like, and and has got in with the granny rule pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's been brilliant, he's 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 been really really good. Um, but there's a there's a big age gap between. Between the the generation of, of Irish produced players and, and the youngsters that are coming through now, that, and, and so and it's because of the it, FAI has just been so bad for so long, didn't put in the grassroots. And then we've had after it all went a bit south after 
make um my um uh, with Roy Keane and um Martin O'Neill and mm-hmm. they had done well. They had a good experienced squad of players. But then at once Robbie Keane left, we've been really struggling. And then Mick McCarthy's come in and done it again, done his best, but it's it's been so backwards to football. And so we then it happened that they they hired whenever they announced Mick McCarthy, they also hired Stephen Kenny, who's now the Ireland manager, the under twenty ones. Mm-hmm. The idea was Mick McCarthy, experienced head, he'll take the, for the first campaign, mm-hmm. and then Stephen Kenny. It was a weird situation because like it all if Mick McCarthy qualified for the World Cup, he's going to be out of the job no matter what because Stephen Kenny was lined up to take take over. Hmm. And it ended up with COVID that Mick McCarthy didn't didn't he, he didn't end up finishing the, the uh, Euro qualifiers, um, and um, because of COVID it was delayed and it delayed so much that it ran into the start of Stephen Kenny's reign. Okay. Um, and then so it also that was Stephen Kenny's third match was in the playoff for the. Euro qualifiers that he wasn't a part of, um, and we lost to Slovakia. Actually, I went back and watched a lot of the highlights in prep for this, and we've we've been so unlucky. And I like the results have haven't been good. Stephen Kenny is is in very much contrast to to Mick McCarthy. We're trying to play out from the back, mm-hmm. first time. In, in years and all the talk has ever been before is this this group of players is not good enough but ev- everybody in Ireland has been craving for it so much so that we've pit- we haven't won a game it's the first win for Stephen Kenny and the w- last week he was they'd done a, a, a vote with fans this is after we've lost to Luxembourg yeah after we've drew with Azerbaijan at home he got an eighty percent approval rating with Irish fans. Interesting. Uh, want, I did not think to, we want him to stay on. I I, and, I knew that there there is a lot of fans that are favoring at least a style of play and are being realistic about Ireland's goals and know that the results aren't going to be aren't going to be great because it's such a transitional period, just stylistically and philosophy wise, um, and with everything that went on with the FAI beforehand. So it's a difficult situation. But I th- personally, I thought that this start might not like. This is it's been so long coming with uh, with Stephen Kenny. He hadn't won a game yet for all of his Ireland career. That Ireland fans might game. sixteen games and and first win. So they might have been thinking about first competitive Andorra. Yeah, well, congratulations. Um, four one. Wow. Well, four goals. Uh, but. I, what in my mind was they might be thinking of a change here or they might grow dissatisfied now well this is I, I'm, I'm I'm a backer of Stephen Kenny I like the, I like the move because I wanted us to try and play better football and he he had a Dundalk team punching above their way at playing good football in the Europa League against um, Zenit St. Petersburg and AZ Alkmaar um, nice. and, get, and getting a couple of results and stuff like that against them so that was his history, and obviously, he's a lot of credit in the bank from like Irish league fans going into into this um, uh, role as Ireland manager. 
and then he'd he's he, he brought he's brought through the ones he's worked with the under 21s so like the likes of para um yeah. malumbi he's given a lot of games to um and, Adamita, of course and it hasn't been playing sailing and um keith andrews done an interview with off the ball uh and like he done a whole hour long interview like he didn't have to do that like they, he's fairly well known to the presenter because he'd worked with them previously so yeah kind of favorable treatment or whatever but yeah. a lot of the criticisms were put to him the criticisms yeah. being that you know we can't play out of the back you know the results haven't been good enough like the luxembourg result was was just that's, that's, that's a yeah. new low for Irish football pretty much like um and um and I, wa- I as I said I watched back the highlights so it starts off with the Nations League um um yeah the Nations League tournament where we had Finland Wales and Bulgaria yep and we didn't we didn't win a game um and um, draws and all. And I watched back the highlights, and we were trying to play like a four-three-three because that is that was the way Stephen Kenny's always played four-three-three or a four-two-three-one. But there's the def- defensively, it's really poor. Looking back at some of the goals, but since mm. then, moved to a, now a three at the back. Interestingly, um, he's yet to play the same starting eleven twice in sixteen games. I went wow. back through this today. There's always been a change in one position, one player. I I I was like I went through this and I've double checked it because I was like surely, um, there's been a, a lineup that was the same. Forgive me if someone can't find it. If someone is as sad as me, willing to go through <laughs> every every lineup and compare. But it's research, Fergal. It's research. But yeah, what I would say is because international but, breaks but, but, are. That was sorry. That was just to finish that point. That yeah. was put to at Keith Andrews, the assistant manager, as a as a point as to you know you know we, you need consistency. Yeah. You need um to help um get get better performances. It's tough for the players if they're constantly changes. Yeah. And that's he was fair question. His point. His points were one with COVID is a nightmare. Like there's been so many Irish players that have been. Um, ruled out with covid they've had false positives yeah i remember that um um and then um and then uh, on top of that keith Andrews made the point it's the first time they've ever had to deal with three game windows uh where they ha- they've had to deal with the fitness levels a lot yeah. of the irish players aren't getting play t- um time with their club uh, like Eve has got more caps for Ireland than he does for uh, Norwich, yeah, um, and um, so they have all these different issues, and so the ha- that's a reason why they haven't been able to play the same starting eleven. Um, but yeah, sorry, Addy, what are you, you were going to ask a question? Or... I was going to actually ask about the the um, the thing that he didn't use the starting eleven. So I suppose, and what I was going to say is, I suppose it's because of the smaller match windows. But it's interesting too that it's little changes. So I think like he has a strategy, but he hasn't been able to perhaps use a consistent team because of all the issues with you know fitness and COVID I, and, and things. I like think that. it's a bit of that. Like if I, I have 
I've done notes, so like lads, if you, if you just have a look at the notes, if you can. Yeah. I, I, I have all the lineups. For, forgive the 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 listeners, but I'll explain what, what we're able to see. So it, it starts off four three threes and four two three ones, which you know, pretty similar formations, mm-hmm. and like they all continue until it's the Serbia away game, the three two game, which was it was one of those ones where. It was it was really disappointing because Travers, the the goalkeeper, made a mistake. Mitro, Mitrovic done an unbelievable chip. Um, but yeah. we took the lead in that with a really good team goal. That was the turning point. It, before that, it had been really really turgid, or not turgid. It had been you could see what they were trying to do, but it was like things weren't coming off. Lost three 0 to England, absolutely battered. Um, I mean, the and, quality difference is to be expected. That kind of result. Yeah. So. And like this team is like it's full of championship players, and the Premier League players are young players that are inexperienced and not are not getting much. But things have things, so that, so we we got we got the three two loss against Serbia. There's lots of green shoots from that. The next game was the Luxembourg game. Again, Ugh. we switched to three at the back for Serbia. So from the Serbia game on, it's been an effort to try and play three at the back. And they've tried to bring that consistency in with the formation. And and they're now sticking with that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. You mm-hmm. get the best out of Doherty and of Stevens. James McLean plays left wing back a lot. And I guess it gets a lot of the best, better things out of James McLean because he, he's always willing to track back. And, and, he, and he's, he's actually a really good athlete, James McLean. Uh, he rarely tires. And, you know, all, all the Irish fans also respect James McLean. Um. Mm-hmm. But recent, so to talk about the positives then, recent, like the, some of the players that come through, Gavin Bazunu. Oh, unbelievable goalkeeper. goalkeeper. I, I unbelievable really like him. goalkeeper. He's, 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 I, think, I think he's better than Keller. I think Keith Andrews made a really good point in, the, in that interview about the, uh, the healthy goalkeeper department. Because Gavin Bazunu, who probably isn't, you wouldn't expect to be the number one goalkeeper for no. Ireland, given that Travers plays for Bournemouth, who are top of the championship, and then there's Kofin Kelleher, who's the Liverpool number two. Uh, and Gavin Bazunu, talented as he is. So goalkeeper department in Ireland is really healthy, Bazunu, which is a Bazunu, really positive start. Um, he came through Shamrock Rovers. Uh, at 16 was first choice and then was quickly snapped up by Man City mm-hmm. um, and he's then he's now on loan at Portsmouth this year after I think he was on loan at Rotherham maybe last year mm-hmm. or maybe Rochdale I, I can't I can't quite remember but letter yeah, R is there so level. yeah <laughs> and um, and he's he's been he's been doing well by all accounts on loan but for Ireland he's just been terrific the Portugal game he was a man possessed, like just like saved Ronaldo's penalty, yeah. and then um, done everything he could. And it, again, like Ronaldo, like eighty eighth and, and ninety odd minutes, just like heartbreaking to not get a point from that. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like an experienced Ireland squad wins that game. We've seen it against Germany. We've seen it against. Um, against other teams where you know it's it's just the, the experience a consistency of playing together as well yeah um and this Ireland squad is just really really young at the moment not quite sure of the best starting 11 either um although I think they have kind of settled they definitely settled on a back four or back five I should say 
And then... yeah, so you you would say Darty Omobami Delhi, uh, actually really solid right center back. Well, um, actually, I was gonna, I maybe Mugin. not actually because and then if, James McLean. If, if the likes of um, if, if the likes of, of Daryl Shea are back fit, he might start. So the, quite good um, options at center back with Nathan Collins as well. He's he's yet to. I don't know if he has made a cap yet. Um, 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 and um, and yeah, but this game yesterday to focus on. Oh, the, sorry, we'll go. The last three games we've went unbeaten. Yep. So a draw against Azerbaijan that, at home. Well, you can, it's technically only. Oh, with us, with us, so the point I was going to make was, I'm a bit all over the place. Sorry, I'm very excited. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Take a breath. Take a breath. We've been unlucky, I think. Not so much in the Nations League. I just think there's a lot, there's a lot of learning curves in that first Nations League campaign, mm-hmm. um, and really we're trying to Stephen Kenny's trying to uh, find the right formation, the players that he can trust, and and then learning the playing out from the back because it, it's brand new for the for for Ireland in God knows how long. So it's all of that. Um, and up against some canny sides in 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 Wales and and Finland, uh, who like are getting to to the Euros and 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 have been playing t- well and playing together for a long time. Yep. Bulgaria was disappointing. Then you come into the the World Cup qualifiers in a tough group. Um, considered like tough group in that you've got Portugal, a really good Serbia team, are pushing Portugal, and then you've got. Luxembourg, who are who are a surprise package, um, and and Azerbaijan, and it's it's these teams that the likes of Georgia and Gibraltar, who we have been struggling to beat, and we've always been scraping over the line against, mm-hmm. and so it's not new, and it's it's probably been coming a long time that we will eventually get embarrassed and lose to one of these teams, and it just so happens that you know. Luxembourg score an unbelievable long range goal. It bounces lucky for him, and he hits it sweet right into the bottom corner. Like they yeah. played, they had played well and had spells of possessions that game. It wasn't like Ireland were completely on top or anything by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the Azerbaijan game was the same. They a really really good shot, and he doesn't. He takes that shot another fifty odd times. He probably doesn't score it. Yeah, um, I, I, they, they had they closed down the angles really well, and then they ended up, um, and, and again we've been playing really well, and the finishing, the finishing the has been, has been really poor. It, it, I went four. back through all the highlights and the amount of one-on-one setters <sighs> just put the ball in there in the Slovakia game for the playoff. Burhan just needs to put yeah. this put through it the amount of times i'm gonna i could say that and we and we've been working at some really good team moves Mm -hmm. just not getting the finish at the end of it and i think i do think that's to do with the lack of quality up front too we talk about the the solid defensive options and the great goalkeeping department um but then you have adamita aaron Connolly starting like they don't these two don't get game time really don't at get all. a sniff really yeah, yeah. And, and then and Conley I thought he was going to be really good because he scored that goal against Tottenham you know it, he it's in the way we play like cutting in off the right 
but yeah. he just hasn't kicked on. Um, he, hasn't, he just like, hasn't got, gotten any game time since, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, but like whenever, well, thing is, I feel like he has got his his chances at Brighton to impress. Yeah, I just scored Monzie in the League Cup, but he just mm-hmm. he just hasn't kicked on and hasn't done enough to to show Potter that he should be should be the man. Um, so we have to be patient with these strikers. We've got we've got a lot of a lot of youngsters coming through, and one of them is going to turn out to be a, a, a quality Premier League striker. No, I'm not saying world class, but one of them's going to be someone that's going to be able to put a sitter in the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like these last two games are, have been, our luck has finally come through. The luck of the Irish has finally come through. Nice. Um, and, and also just to mention, Anthony Barry from Chelsea has come into the backroom staff. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a big move. We're now all of a sudden playing... Three four three, looking like the Chelsea three four three, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is any coincidence. I, I'm pretty sure that was by design. Um, and um, we've we we we're, these last two games, I feel like the luck's come through. I, I, did any use, have either of you seen the goal against Serbia? Um, the goal against I actually haven't. Or I do remember, yeah. like. Well, uh, I'll explain it. I'm fair. Anybody's really interested, even though you know, whatever. Go, go look <laughs> it up. Balls pumped into the box. Serbia so player goes to clear it, and it ricochets off his own defender and goes in the net. Oh. Duffy <laughs> was on him. Duffy, if it was, it, it would have hit off Duffy anyway. So it was going. It was, it was, it was a matter of time before it in. And then Omba Bamadeli actually nearly scores a great goal, but it's actually not showing the highlights of it. But so we get that bit of luck, and then in this in this game, which I feel like this is this is one of the best performances since probably June twenty sixteen, since Martin O'Neill's or twenty nineteen, since Martin O'Neill. Uh, wow, I I I don't think we've we ever played this well under. Mick McCarthy, and we won games under Mick McCarthy, but just performance-wise, just wasn't as good. We kept we kept Azerbaijan at arm's length. Yeah, they had they had they had moments, they had chances, they had mm-hmm. spells of possession. They never looked that threatening. And if you watch the highlights, you'll see that they hit the bar. I actually thought Bazuni done it was a bit one moment of poor goalkeeping in that it just wasn't a great technique. Yeah, and he, he could have been more convincing. It goes off the crossbar. But it really wasn't. They threatened with a couple of long shots, as they know that we can score. Mm-hmm. But Captain and Arden Flanks had really good spells of possession. We got the first goal, which I think was so important because against Luxembourg, we had chances to get the first goal. I think if we got the first goal against these sides, it's plain sailing. We're able to, we'd be able to keep possession, possession, not overcommit players, mm-hmm. and, and we see the, these games out. We won. We won three 0 yesterday. Could have scored more. Should have got a penalty at the very end. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't. I don't know why that wasn't given. Well, end of the game, three 0 End of the game, but you can't play it like I that, agree. can you? Like it's it's I ridiculous. Agree. Like like it's not it's not like what do you call it? Junior league, where it's like oh, you don't, I don't want to make the young lads feel bad, but it's scoring five against them or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Callum Robinson, really, really good. Um, the whole game, 
Ede has been, been quietly good without getting a goal. I was actually gutted that he, he didn't get a goal in this game. I felt like if he had stayed on the pitch, he might have got a goal. Because he's been... His link-up play is really good. I, 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 I have saw... I've, whenever I've seen him or heard that he's got a game, I have a wee mm. look on his name for Norwich fans on Twitter. And I don't think they've been very impressed with him. But I, for Ireland, it's like the typical thing for Ireland, Ireland strikers at the moment. Does everything but score. Really good hold up play, a really good touch, pace to run in behind, yeah. strong, and like, um, it, I think it will come because he. I've seen clips of him being lethal a finisher on his debut for Norwich. He scored a hat trick in the FA Cup, like, so he yeah, does have it. Pressing. And I feel like for Ireland, it might just take one goal, and then he, he might kick on. But I, I really, really like him. Um. Do you think the, ever, the problem... Ever else was really solid. It was a really solid performance, and it's the first time we've convincingly put a team away. that Like, like these teams that we should be beating, convincingly beating them um, yeah. 3-0, and, and they haven't dominated. Like, Georgia would dominate us in possession, and we'd scrape through. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case yesterday. So it's, 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 it's finally clicked. Do you know what? I, I feel like it was... I I opened the game from like the fiftieth minute. I, I I do something where it's probably not not the right thing to do, but I honestly open games on one monitor and and do work on the other. Uh, so just listening to the commentary and yeah, pop yeah. my head to see if something happened. Um, and it seemed like Ireland were not only quick in transition, but also the like the off the ball movement was great, and the pressing, uh, as you as you put it rightly, um, just kept. Azerbaijan at bay like Azerbaijan couldn't breathe because of the of the Ireland press all the time which I found really impressive pressing really as high as high up as the uh, as Azerbaijan's third of the pitch yeah like this is the thing with all these teams like like people think Azerbaijan are you you serious like why why, why are you getting like excited about this at all all these teams now even Gibraltar all of them are now well organized enough to be to be set up solid, and and unless you have top quality players like England do, so it's no problem for England because they have a Jack Reach that can ghost in like amazing players. It should be easy for you. Yeah. But for teams like Ireland where we don't have we don't have our Jack Grealish. Yep. Um, <laughs> and um, we don't have these players that can make something give it through killer ball so they're, they're really well set up um and and it, it just can be an absolute slog to get through um and but this this game was really impressive you we could you could see the patterns of play you could see um the pressing as you said also it was a clear game plan that we were letting them cross the ball in um and I'm backing ourselves to head it away with Shane Duffy, John Egan, and Oba Vamadele. It did get a couple of headers, but never, never worried about it. And um, and yeah, it was it was just a really convincing performance. Now we've got Qatar in a in a friendly, um, and uh, in Dublin. So mm. we'll see see if that goes because Qatar using this as competitive games. It's a friendly. Yeah, will be in preparation are using it as 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 competitive as it can yeah. be. Um, so, um, but I think Ireland will probably rotate a little bit mm. and give give some lads uh, a bit more game time. 
but yeah, it's it's on the up, and it's on the up. Um, I'm so glad they won because if I had to come on and talk about how <laughs> and we yeah, still have another game, yeah, um, I would have been good. But it, it's it's finally clicked, and I feel like things things are starting to go Stephen Kenny's way. The mm-hmm. the other thing just to say is like is that like previously under Martin O'Neill, who, who got to a Euros, things started to come out that, that things went right in in the training ground. And, and you know, was Matt Doherty was very outspoken about, like, how the training just wasn't up to stand or whatever. There's been none of that. Interesting. There's been no no whispers of, of players not happy with him. No, nothing. Uh, Matt Doherty himself came mm. has done an interview and, and has backed him. Such a, a positive outlook yeah. coming from the players that I have confidence in that. That like all these lads are are, are are in the Premier League, or a lot of them are in the Premier League, or or been in the Premier League, or been around top quality coaches even in the Championship. Mm-hmm. So they know what good quality coaching is, and they know the standard of it. And Matt already said like if people could see the training that we're doing, they'd have a lot more confidence with the processes that that are going. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and so, if there's any Irish fans that are out there skeptical and and it's only Azerbaijan, j- just give it time. Again, I'm not I'm not totally Stephen Kenny. It has to be Stephen Kenny, and would never change about Stephen. Kenny. Look, if there's a better manager out there, like if Brendan Rodgers or or Eddie Howe came available with these results, I'd be like, can we get them? May maybe get them in. But I'm happy to give Stephen Kenny time. It's mainly because Ireland don't have the budget to be sacking them mm-hmm. or getting in anybody better. And I don't think like we could attract Brandon Rogers now or um or I don't even any how would, would would go for us really. If he's turned down Celtic, I don't think he'll he'd be taking Ireland. Um Yeah. And so we just we just have to be patient and yesterday's performance felt like everything finally came together. Previous performance, it felt like the defense had come together, yeah. And maybe not the attack, and then it was the other way around, or or the press was there, but the playing out from the back wasn't quite there. The game yesterday, everything came together. It wasn't completely dominant. Azerbaijan had spells in possession, but we kept them at arm's length. They never really threatened, mm-hmm. um, and we we created more more chances. We could it could have been five nil. No, it could have been it could have been a lot more. Yeah, you mentioned um, the penalty at the end, obviously, but. Uh, yeah. What are you? What what do you look forward to? What would be a satisfactory um, result end or place campaign. to be at the end of the campaign? <laughs> I'd like to finish above Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that we're, is low expectations. We're, cur- we're currently one point off Luxembourg with a game in hand. So if we could beat those little slugs away from home, <laughs> so uh, Luxembourg in, is your in, in, in Luxembourg. Get revenge on Luxembourg. Get revenge on that, Luxembourg. Finish that, above them. That, that would be, be pretty sweet. Yeah, that would be a goal. If we, if we, if we could, if we could, um, yeah, um, pump them in their own backyard. Yeah, I that would that would do it for me. And then just just good performances. Now now, now that we're we're not going to qualify, I'm like, just get good performances, see how it goes, and. Um and g- g- hopefully good yeah uh, g- see the more more good play from the youngsters coming through um I like I like like to see the the forwards especially get goals Ida and Connolly Troy Parr has scored against Andorra but I like I like to like to see them get 
it goes against more competitive opposition as well um and see how it goes but yeah it's 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 going to be tough it's going to be a, it's still a long road ahead to, to actually, obviously yeah yeah like we're nowhere near qualifying for a tournament yeah but to, to convincingly beat a minnow side hasn't happened in a long time so i'm, a, I'm <laughs> to win I'm, hasn't I'm, happened I'm, a long time. I'm really that a win hasn't happened in a long time and it's happened and a way a win hasn't happened in a long time I, I i actually haven't checked but if you disregard the gibraltar one which is a bit harsh because Ireland shouldn't be disregarding anybody mm. but if we even go back further than that, i actually don't know what the last away win would have been like um before gibraltar actually yeah, i didn't check that age, but it would have been yeah. a long time it would have been but congrats, congrats! I, I think it's it's fair to congratulate you, even even though if it is Azerbaijan. Um, but congrats, man! I I'm really happy for you, genuinely, uh, that you finally seeing your national team win. George, any final thoughts on on the Irish before we uh, wrap uh, no, this up? No, I've got I've got no. I've been a bit quiet on this one. I, but you know, I'm not an expert on on Irish football. Um, all I know that is when I you know tried to watch the extended highlights, the the advert that I got was um was Guinness, uh, alcohol-free Guinness before before watching the highlights. <laughs> that is all my input into this, which, uh, you know, clearly... Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, bit of a coincidence. I don't know. Maybe not. All right. No, I, don't, I don't think us know what they're doing there. Mm. <laughs> congrats to Ireland. Congrats to Scotland. Unbelievable 3-2 win. Uh, but, yeah, we yeah. Uh, we do like international football, don't we? Even though it's a, it, it, we enter into it. Oh, it's a, why do we have to have it now? We only play two game weeks of the Premier League, and then the Nations League happen, and then well, Ireland happens before that, and Scotland happens, and uh, you're just reminded of of how good international football actually is. But uh, thank you guys. Uh, that was that was really fun. It was uh, it was great to get George's perspective as a Newcastle resident um, on the the. The, the current developments in Newcastle and uh, Fergal obviously to celebrate that win uh, finally for, for Ireland yeah I, I can tell your face is resting right now um, but yeah we'll leave it there boys um, hopefully next week the band is going to get back together and Harry will be with us um, but until then we will see you next week goodbye cheers cheers